We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That was quick, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, it's it's interesting because like in other spaces, uh, I'm sort of just used to like getting into a space and like immediately requesting. Because in other spaces, if you don't request, it's like you like right when you get in. Um, I, uh, I, I, you, you, you don't see, you, you, you don't, you, you don't end up speaking. So <laughs> that's why I usually am just like, just get into a space and request to speak, especially because I came with something to say. It came with a bit of an agenda today. <laughs> Does the agenda involve someone that wears number six for the New York Knickerbockers? It actually does not. Oh, um, I, it, it, it involves if you subtract one from that number, that's who it involves. Interesting, interesting. I can't wait. To, I'm actually looking forward to hearing what said. Um, what what this take is. So we will we will get to you. We do have a show order, but we will absolutely get to you. Um, my co-host Chris Persianen is here. Um. He's connecting now. He should be connecting now. Let's try this. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris, I sent you a call invite, so you should be able to join um, when at your when at your at the ready. Um it is two oh one on Saturday afternoon for those on the east coast and central for those on the east central and mountain time zones if you are in west if you're in the west coast good morning it is 11 a.m welcome to this latest edition of kfs study hall i my name is sean of the w uh i'd like to introduce my co-host um who i know appreciates these later start times and not for nothing as do i because i woke up at 10 a.m today and i was like i would be in no position to get ready for a spit for to talk nicks so chris personally good afternoon how are you what's going on man i feel like i'm the one that just woke up but it sounds like you are come on, come on man let's get fired up let's get ready to go i mean we got a good basketball team to talk about did i wake up 30 minutes ago yes but there's a good basketball team to talk about. And I know there's a lot going on right now with um, Chelsea, the football club. So I don't blame uh, – we have some listeners who are 
uh, instead in spaces about that uh, insane hijack of a signing Chelsea just did. Um, <laughs> footy aside, good morning, everyone in the West Coast. Good afternoon, everyone in the other coasts. <laughs> um, hope you guys are doing good. Hope you guys are, you know, we're way past the Happy New Year's, but I, I hope you guys are, are having a good New Year, maybe as good of one as as Jalen Brunson would that would be nice, you know, averaging thirty three points a game in two thousand twenty three. I think this Knicks team is very much the team that both Sean and I, with our different perspectives, said it was before the season. Um, except for they started playing their best players, and now. To me, the floor of this team is significantly higher than it was at the beginning of the season. At the beginning of the season, I would have said this Nick team has a floor of the 11th seed and a ceiling of the 6th. That would have been my honest take. Um, and that, you know, I did not like the Hawks this season. I did not like a lot of te- the Hornets. I didn't like a lot of teams this season that people said would finally, you know, be battling us out. Uh, oh, the Knicks are better than the Hawks. The Knicks are better than the Pacers. The Knicks are better than the Hornets. The Knicks are better than the Wizards, right? I, I think the floor of this team is you're now looking at a play-in. Like, the floor of the team is being in the play as opposed to being out of it. And the ceiling to me is, you know, four or five, five or four seed. Like, the, the, the young talent has clearly not only rejuvenated the team in regards to their ability to better execute on Tom Thibodeau's physically demanding schemes, which we know guys like Rose and Fournier and even Hartenstein now struggle with. Um, but but the players are also better at basketball. Like, I love Derrick Rose. He's not the player that he was when the Knicks acquired him and he rejuvenated their season. That guy, that juice doesn't seem to still be there. Um how do I? How can I say something like that? My my best indicator with small guards is pull up jumpers, consistently coming up short and hitting the front of the rim because the muscle memory guys like Kemba and D Rose they're so good, right? But when they get older, they just don't have the same lift in their legs and their jumpers consistently come up short because their muscle memory tells them how to shoot it and it's not enough because the legs aren't strong enough. I, I had noticed that with Rose and Fournier this season, and so. You, you, you know, Fournier is playing well now in the spot minutes he gets because there are about like eight of them a game. But those are already over because everyone's back in the rotation. This next team is good. And uh, I, I know Shaq, I believe, is the only national TV analyst that's given them credit for this. And it was two words, which was, okay, Knicks, when the Eastern Conference standings came up on TNT. And he reacted to them having sole possession of the sixth seed. I think this Nick team is a legitimate playoff team. And I say that because I can see them, depending on the matchup, winning a first-round series, absolutely. As opposed to two years ago where they really needed Randall to keep rolling at the historic rate that he was to have a shot in the first round. Um and that's what everyone expected to happen, which is why the majority of analysts picked New York over Atlanta. But it didn't happen, and the Knicks washed out of the playoffs as quickly as they got there. This season, the Knicks have three 20-plus point-per-game scorers. It, it feels a lot more sustainable, the basketball that we're looking at, and, and its quality. Well said, Chris. Listen, we have a good basketball team, and that's part of the reason why 
um, behind the title of the space um, because there is now, well, you know, on Nick's Twitter, there's always a civil war. Um, there's always a, I don't know what, to, to, to be extreme, a civil war, to be not extreme, a strong difference of opinion. And, you know, there's some, there are some fans that think, you know, this doesn't mean anything. We're stuck in the middle. We're mid. Uh, we don't have a superstar. It's all garbage. This is a waste of time. Um, and then some people are like, well, you know, we're a good basketball team. And I've been watching this team for God knows how long. And they're a good team. And I'm going to enjoy this. And I and I uh, aim towards the latter. Um, what I, you know, this season is a free hit, as they say in, in England, in European football. Um, but like, uh, like, like John said on the post game yesterday, like for example, right now, Jalen Brooks is our best player. If he's our best player three years from now, everyone's getting fired. So, but for right now, I think we can enjoy this. So with that being said, let us review the games from this past week. Now, uh, Chris said that I, it sounded like I had just woke up which is not true because it's not possible for me with a six-year-old child to sleep till noon <laughs> or one o'clock. But, I know. That's why I was surprised. I was like, where's the juice at, man? So I went, so I, full disclosure, I missed last night's game. I only saw like the last two minutes because I was out to a dinner for my friend's 40th birthday and then we went out after that uh, oh, so to a that's, place. That's worth it. That's a big birthday. That's, it was that's a big birthday. Yeah, 40 is a big number. That's in need of celebration, I would say. Absolutely. Um, especially if you are in that age range. Like, for example, like I've had people, I have friends who turned 40 and 2020 and didn't get to really do anything. Then there are people like myself who turned 40 in 2021 who didn't have the uh, celebration they wanted. I had this, I had literally since I was like 35 years old, I had the greatest, like, I was like, my 40th birthday party is going to be epic. And it's going to be called, I'm a man, I'm 40, after the death of the Mike Gundy rant. And I had this whole plan. And then God said, I have, I have a better idea. But, you know, so it's like, anyway. So let us review the, the games of this week as I pull up the schedule of the Knicks. Uh, we played Milwaukee on Monday, um, which was a loss, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, ooh, now I'm an idiot because I actually picked Milwaukee instead of the Knicks for the cap for the schedule. Okay, so we played Milwaukee on Monday, uh, lost 111 107. Sure, we'll dive. I'm sure we'll get into the minutiae of that game as we talk. And then two wins, uh, the in the uh, win for Wally Bowl. Uh, we beat the Pacers 119-113. And then in the um, the Chris Dabbs Porzingis Bowl we, last night in D.C., we won 112-108. Uh, the, so I'll start and then I'll throw to um, – I'll, I'll start, then I'll throw to Chris, and then we'll get uh, – we'll get – we'll get we'll get takes from the callers, including one to Kevin Denisheski who says he has a take that he wants to get off, and I'm more than – I cannot wait to hear it. Um so I'll start. I'll start backwards um, again. I did not see the game, but what I do know is that my next first quarter bet did not hit, which is very disappointing. Um, from what I was seeing, I had friends texting me during the game and you know group chats and everything. That the energy. I actually had a friend 
uh, one of my uh, friends I grew up with, he lives in D.C. now. He was at the game. He said our first quarter energy was not good. Um, and I can see by scoring 19 points in the first quarter, that can't be good. Um, seems like we fought back. Uh, I don't know how Kyle, Kyle Kuzma got to 40 points. I will definitely go back and watch the tape when I can. He's um, good, man. No, he's a good player, absolutely. Um, I, I just think also that it's funny that there are Knicks fans that want to trade the value equivalent of two to two and a half protected first or whatever. Like People want to trade a lot for him knowing that he'd come off the bench. And it's like you can say he's a good player and have that agenda without needing the Knicks to trade for him, like being part of that agenda. Like I have plenty of agendas for players that the Knicks will never trade for, even though I'm, a, you know, I cover the Knicks, I still, you know, talk about guys that have nothing to do with the team, right? Like, I feel like Knicks fans feel forced to be like, oh, we want the team to acquire. And I'm like, you know, as someone, a third party here, like I can just say it makes no sense for Knicks fans to want Kuzma. I feel like there are a lot of other teams that would be way better served by his services. But I personally have a Kyle Kuzma, like not agenda, you know, but like, all right, a couple years back when Emmanuel Quickly's first-round pick was the return for Marcus Morris, there was another deal floating out there, which was where the Knicks would take on the salary of Danny Green in exchange for also getting Kyle Kuzma from the Lakers. And I liked that deal because I thought Kuzma was good and the team wasn't super built up, and everyone was like, ew, no. <laughs> and so that kind of, for me, gave birth to like a Kuzma's better than you all think take which I've stayed consistent with and, and is looking really good last year and, and now looks really good this year. He'll probably get paid $25 million a year. But was, you know what it was, Chris? It was, I, don't see a, I don't see a fit. You know what it was, Chris? It was Kuzma was overrated by the Lakers fans, but he became so overrated that he actually became underrated. Because people are like... Yeah, and, was, and a lot of, a lot of the the fans, they think he's fun to, to rag on, you know, easy to make fun of with his wardrobe, and, and they love it. And it's like, hey, well, this guy will torture your favorite team, too. So, <laughs> No, absolutely. absolutely. So that was the – that was – I did again, full disclosure, I did not see much of the Wizards game. Um, but I did see the Indiana game, the Milwaukee game. Um, Indiana, the win for Wally Bowl. Uh, I just want to say I did win some money on Tyrese Halliburton under points. Because I saw too many people on the timeline talking about how Talbert was going to light us up because of what Wally said. I was like, let's settle down. Like, he he, he was uh, he was shooting tour dates against us the last time we played him. Uh, now, obviously, he got injured and did not finish the game, and we don't wish anyone injured anyone, and I'm not happy he got injured. I would rather lose a bet to someone being fully healthy than to win a bet because the NBA player got hurt for whatever reason. But he yeah, wasn't playing. But I, I he didn't... wasn't playing. But he wasn't playing well in the first half. He did start to pick it up. There it is. I was. I was going to say you're still allowed to talk about the game before he was injured. And what I noticed personally, I, I know we usually take turns running through the games. But I'm going to just speed it up here speed, and speed, jump speed, in. Speed quick it up side. because I'm at three o'clock. I'm going to end this so I can go put all my uh, football bets in. Hmm. Work good. <laughs> I, I hear the dogs are barking today for Gino. That's what I. That's what I think. Um. Listen. Uh, uh, Halliburton is very interesting because the average NBA fan looks at the amount of assists he averages per basketball game and they conclude really quickly that he is an elite playmaker and an elite passer. I think there's a difference between playmaking and passing. And I know a lot of people don't. 
but I, I do. I think that Julius Randle is a bad passer and a really good playmaker because of the gravity he has out on the court. However, when it comes time to actually make the reads, he's not good at it. He takes too long. He doesn't have a natural feel for the game of basketball. Now, in my opinion, someone like Tyrese Halliburton is the exact opposite. He has the natural feel for the game of basketball. This kid lives and breathes the dynamics of an NBA court. He knows exactly what's going on. And as a result of that, he is an incredible passer. He's really good at passing. His passes are accurate. His passes are correct to the right read, right? He really knows what he's doing out there. Halliburton's very smart. What Halliburton isn't, in my opinion, is a playmaker. He can't actually go out there and initiate offense. It doesn't happen. And what you see is these assists rack up on easy reads to the paint designed by Carlisle. Easy reads to the corner, designed by Carlisle. It feels a lot like Randall two years ago when he would just feed Bullock in the corners and, and get an assist every time and he'd finish the games with, you know, triple doubles or what like yeah, it's because certain coaches know how to inflate the value of certain archetypes. I don't think it's a coincidence that when Halliburton went down, Andrew Nemhard dropped thirty points and ten assists. The same production, if not better. Am I saying that Nemhard is a better player? Absolutely not. But what I am saying is that Carlisle's coaching style absolutely affects Halliburton's results and stat averages. And I think what you can really look at, and I had never identified Turner as the lead creator in that offense, but it's actually the little things he does and him not playing against the Knicks that helped me realize just how much help Halliburton gets from him. Now, we know top, top, Shot-blocking centers don't average as many blocks as they could. Why? Because they deter the other teams from taking the shots in the first place. Miles Turner being out there creates more perimeter shots than it does rim looks because teams don't want to test him. Long shots, long rebounds, fast break. That's the key. You know, <laughs> if there's a long shot, there's going to be a long rebound. That will lead to a fast break. Now, when Miles Turner's blocks, when he does get three of those a game, those also create fast break opportunities. And th that's where Halliburton thrives is the easy read and transition. He's really good at racking up assists on those. The other way that Turner really helps Halliburton is by spacing the floor out for him. And uh, for really just oh, – he, he opens things up for him out there. And you really saw Halliburton struggle without that. And, and in my opinion – and I'm not stepping you know over the line here, going out of my way to defend – Wally Zerbiak's comments on Halliburton, which he later apologized for because I, I think he had to apologize for the tone in which they were delivered, not exactly the content. This is exactly what he meant, is that you can play Jalen Brunson in a lineup with Quentin Grimes, Cam Reddish, Jericho Sims, and Isaiah Hartenstein. And he's still going to be able to create because throughout his career, his diminutive stature has forced him to learn how to make space out of nothing when there is none. Okay, that's a real offensive creator, a real offensive initiator, someone who can be a, a second option on a team to a Luka Doncic, but come to a team like the Knicks and average seven assists per game. That is a real creator, someone who needs a screen who needs the floor space in a specific way, who needs a transition look to, to run up his assists. That's not a real creator, if you want to use the word real, in that sense. Obviously, creation is different, 
and you know, whatever. But I, if you're talking about translating to the playoffs, you need someone who can seriously initiate offense. And that, in my opinion, is exactly what Wally meant when he was saying, you know, real versus fake all-star. I, I think that he meant Halliburton, like, yeah, his play deserves to be in the all-star game, but how is he actually getting there? Like, the stats deserve to be in the all-star game, but how is he getting them? Because um, I think he also realizes what Carlisle's effect is on guards of that archetype. So it was really interesting to see the Knicks um, kind of just cut the head of the snake off in Indiana and Halliburton and, and force them to have a really rough game. Uh, in my opinion, it is not a coincidence that they came back only once he left the game. He was hurting them that day because when they are going to run the offense through him no matter what and he can't create against another team, they're screwed. And it sounds a lot like Randall in 2021 because no matter what he would do, the offense would still run through him. Um, and then, you know, you'd see Randall sit and Toppin come in and the team would come back from deficits. It was the same thing against Indiana. Their, their lead, lead, head of the snake, couldn't get anything done. I thought it was a really good job by Thibodeau and company. I thought Quickly and Grimes deserved shouts, too, for their defensive work. So when you said that, and we will get to the callers, uh, including Kevin and Q, I see you. Um, shout out to you, Pittman. Uh, I may not be joining you on the couch after all. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, I Yeah, I actually am going to – I actually – when you – because we discussed this offline after the game, and you pointed out to me, and I said, I'm going to watch – I'm going to rewatch the – I'm going to rewatch the first half of that next game, and I'm going to find a – you know, a game where you put up like stupid, silly numbers and see if I see the difference. And, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad for you pointing that out. I'm glad for you pointing that out. So listen, and to your point, listen, I don't think, yeah, I think the tone was a little, it was snarky and it was over the top. And, you know, and the fact that it will still play it out like weeks later is because, you know, anything the Knicks do gets over, over, um, overhyped, right? But, I saw what Wally was trying to do, and I wouldn't have apologized. And I really want us to win this. I really want us to win this game, simply because uh, I just didn't want to deal with the, oh look Tyrese Halliburton like like let and, and, and honestly I said that to a lot of our uh, fans in our fan base that are still crying about this. Like he's not on our team. We didn't draft him. Let it go. Like let it go, please. Um, and then finally, uh, the Hawks, the, the Hawks, the Bucks game on Monday. I was at the Chris. We were supposed to get up at this damn game, weren't we? Jesus Christ! Uh, one day we will meet together at at at, at a next game. Uh, you know, even though you and I are there. I, I gotta start. I gotta start letting you know, like when I find out which games I'm going to, which games I'm going to, because I'm <laughs> I have to get there so early. You know, um, I have to be there an hour. An hour 45 before tip is I have to have been in the building for a while. So okay. I'm usually there. I'm usually there two hours, 15 before tip. Okay. Day. Yeah. Just text me. Um, I could see in the first quarter uh, that I could tell Julius didn't really have it that night. Uh, he took, I, I'm going to find a tweet of his shot chart. Like his shot. He went over nine from three in the first quarter is the number you're looking for. And, we know, like, we saw me and Cedric noticed it early. Like, this dude is not, he's just selling for jumpers and he's not making them and he's just going to keep doing it. And I, I think after like the sixth one, I was like, all right, Julius ain't got it tonight. It's okay. 
Um, so I was somewhat resigned for a, I was somewhat resigned for a loss. Um, went up to at some at one point in late in the second quarter, I was like, I don't know how we're winning, and I don't know how like I don't know why. I just I was like, I don't know how we're winning. And I actually went and like texted that in the uh, in the uh, the K- the KFS Casuals group chat. Like I was like, how are we winning? I don't understand this. Um, but I was like, you know what? This is good. This this I'll take it. It's good. Um, and then Bucks have been struggling recently, and the Knicks had not been. And then you know the Knicks were on a, a four game win streak, and they were they're a good basketball team. You know it. it uh, huh, how do I put it? Historically. It feels like there has to be, you know, some like cons- like uh, uh, some reason how the Knicks are. But like, I I was saying it earlier. I think this season's Knicks are just legitimately good. Like I think legitimately good. Team. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, I'm not trying to arbitrarily make up, um, you know, criticisms of a coach or whatever. I, I just think that we have to see how Thibodeau does in a playoff setting. Um, but if you ask me whether, uh, you know, I think Thibodeau is a league average coach, but well, we have to see, you know, him prove that in the playoffs this season because he really only has only had one playoff series since we hired him. Um, and that's not, you know, he, he can adapt from that. That's not who he is forever, right? We've seen him change a lot of things. People said he would never change. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and for me, if they had a replacement level coach, which Thibodeau may very well be better than, we have to find out. If they had a replacement level coach, they are a potential second round exit, which is like, very good for a team that hasn't invested a single first round pick into this roster. So I, or rather into, into trades for the roster. So I, um, will say that. And I, we, on this, the most recent campus podcast, the casual Friday show, I tried to have an honest conversation about Tom Thibodeau, where I said, he's not a great coach, not a terrible coach. He's a good coach. Here comes, here comes my son downstairs. Um, yeah, he's 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 good. Um, and you know, basically, the, his problem is that things that make him good is also what causes his downfall. Um, but um, yeah, so Julius and I just posted the jumbotron. You can see Julius's shot chart in the first quarter; it was awful. Um, I was like, okay, but we're up seventy to fifty-three. I, I actually remember I look up; it's seventy to fifty. It was seventy to fifty-six, and I was like, okay. And then the three started falling. That was, this was because this was like in the third quarter, late in the third quarter. And uh, I, good job, Zachy. Um, I'm hosting a podcast. Now. I'm hosting a show right now, buddy. Um, and I remember Doug Collins always said closing quarters matters. And I will say one thing about this team. This team has a tendency to not close quarters very well. And the Bucks hit a couple threes, and the lead, and the I just didn't like where. It was Do you going. want the numbers yeah. on it? I just didn't. I didn't yeah, like it. So the Knicks were up, the, the Knicks were up seventeen, and there was about two minutes, minute forty five to go until the end of the quarter. Um, Quentin Grimes was at the scorers table to come back in for Evan Fournier, but uh, it, you know the argument is that it was silly to use a timeout there just for that one substitution. The Bucks cut the lead from 17 to 6 before anything happened to the Knicks lineup. So that, to me, was the period of the game where they lost the game. When they consistently allowed the Bucks to schematically exploit them and co- consistently create open threes for Joe Ingles, who finished that game 5 of 11 from 3, 
Um, yeah, that that's going to happen. And, 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 and I know, I know the overarching, you know, pacifying, soothing take is that, uh, well, you know, if Joe Ingles is the guy that beats you, then you just have to respect him and say, oh, good job. Because if you're getting beat by Joe Ingles, then, you know, that that's that. But that completely erases and ignores the context that Joe Ingles was taking wide open three-point shots that were being created on the basketball court the exact same way every single time. You're allowed to look at play breakdowns and to look at how things are happening. You don't have to arbitrarily compare results and be like, oh, this thing that happens to the Knicks is happening to lots of other teams in the league if you look at the numbers. So uh, it's actually not that bad. No, it, it, it is something worth concerning, worth being concerned over because you're allowed to look at how these things are happening and the way in which they're happening seems preventable. You know, uh, some teams, these things happen and they seem unpreventable. And you say, oh, wow, it's really the roster construction or whatever. To, to me, a lot of these leads, the Knicks have played the Hawks, the Raptors, the Mavericks, the Bucks. Uh, that's four games. I'm missing one. Oh, the Bulls, where DeRozan beat them late. Five games there where very avoidable things seemed to lead to their demise. And and it wasn't just a regular demise. It was a, we were up 17 and then lost the game demise. <laughs> and that is rough. Yes. So I found it at, so at 70 to 53, the Knicks had a 97% chance to win the game. Now, one can make the argument that on one hand, see, this is another example where two things can be true. One, because after the game, the whole, the discourse will seem to be, we blew it again. This is on Tibbs. And then some people are like, no, they hit a lot of threes. And some people are like, well, the threes were the threes were open. And then some people are like, well, some of them threes that were caused by like bad execution, overhelping, Fournier. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, multiple things can be yeah, true. You, you watch that Fournier yeah, play, it's and you can, you, you can literally see him hesitate to do it because he knows it's stupid, <laughs> and then do it anyway because he knows he'll get benched if he doesn't. It's like it, it was frustrating. Yeah. So what I'll say is this: the Three-point variance is a thing. That's allowed. Hold on. Hold on a second. Yeah, three points. No, so, sorry about that. Three-point uh, variance is a thing. And and, and I know the. It, it's just ironic. It's just ironic that um, it's ironic that the Fred Katz piece about blown leads re- was released that day because um, then the back and forth became uh, one side was saying like, hey, this happens all the time. Um, in the rest of the league, and other have stands like, I don't give a damn. Um, why does this happen to us? So, just so 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 from that point, we didn't close the we didn't close the quarter well. We didn't close the quarter well. We didn't close the quarter well. Um, and can, can I ask what if you asked ESPN what that ninety seven percent chance was? Assume, not assuming that we would make adjustments and that <laughs> or sorry, if ask ask ESPN. Um, you know what? I misphrased that poorly. What uh, what that ninety seven percent chance would have been if the New York Knicks were to consistently allow open three pointers as opposed to adjust the the defensive but, scheme? Because I think that would be a different. But number. you know what's funny? Yes, yeah, some of them were open. Some of them are a little bit more open. But at the same time, as I said this, uh, you have to pick your poison, 
And but like I think there was this idea that, and then we'll get to the calls after this. There's the idea that you like a defense can guard anything, like everything, and it can. And Tom Thibodeau, now you usually have to take yeah, and Tom yeah. Thibodeau made the decision. Okay, I'm not going to lose to Giannis. Um, if I have to pick one, I'm not going to lose to Giannis. And because even Cedric was saying like, well, they're overhelping. Why are you doubling Giannis? I'm like, because it's Giannis. It's like he said, he said Giannis isn't going to beat me, and I can respect that because you know what would have happened if we decided to single cover Giannis and take away Joe Engels and Pat Connaughton, and Giannis dropped fifty nine points on our head top. Then it becomes it would have been why are we single covering Giannis? But why does it have to be one or the other for the entire game? All twenty nine other teams switch their schemes. In no, game, I yeah. right. So th- this is just it shouldn't be a debate. You know, it's so it's it's interesting. Yeah, so. That was the game. Um, and, and like, and look, Drew Holiday hit two Welkers at the jumpers. The defense did tighten up a little bit near the end, and they just kept hitting threes. And you know, I was like, all right, well, that, well, that's that. Um, so that's the, so that's the first. Those are the games this week. Two and one this week. I forget who won between John. I think uh, John picked. Oh, was it? no, there's one more. There's one more game. So uh, I think John had picked three and one. So he needs he needs tomorrow's game against uh, who I forget. Oh, not, not tomorrow. Um, uh, we play Monday. Uh, the Raptors on Monday. So, John, okay. we play we play tomorrow. We play the Pistons. Oh, we do. That's right. We play the Pistons. <laughs> yes, the, 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 the Pistons tomorrow, and then back to and then we have the Raptors Monday afternoon. Um, I will be at the game the Monday afternoon. Name in the league, I think. <laughs> yes. I think Little Caesars Arena is the funniest name. You know, the Smoothie King, like, it, it lost its charm on me. I think just the fact that there's an arena named after Little Caesars is objectively hilarious. Um, I miss the palace. <laughs> yeah, that, that had some class to it, didn't it? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like Matt, if Madison Square Garden were just known to everyone as, like, the Papa John's Palace, you know, like, I feel like I wouldn't have the same luster to it. <laughs> I, I, I think the people in Miami need to take the money from the – um the film company based in Miami that makes um, films only for adults and make that happen. All right. Oh, you are evil. Yes, Let's I am. The Let's get to the college. Let's get to the college. Right. There's, a, there's a six-year-old in the room. You're, That's right. why I Call said it. To the college we go. That's why I said it the way I said it. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Eating well is top of mind this month, and it's comforting to know you always get top quality with HelloFresh. Ingredients travel from the farm to you in less than seven days, so you know they're fresh. Skip the snowy schlep to the grocery store and stock up on snacks, sides, desserts, and more at HelloFresh Market. Simply add these staples and sweets to your weekly order, and they'll arrive at your doorstep along with your meals. Fun fact about me. I love to cook. I love putting the time in to create a great meal, but I don't have the time to go to the grocery store. That's where HelloFresh is so fantastic. I get the meal delivered right to me right away and get to use it that week. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool21 and use code FilmSchool21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool21 and use code FilmSchool21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, we're going to go to Kevin Danishevsky and then we're going to go to Papa Left. Kevin, the floor is yours. What's up, man? Good By the way, I just want to say that um, I was having a, 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 a debate with Andrew about um, he's, he thinks like if you add Mello to those Pistons teams, it, it, basically he thinks I'm a Mello hater and he thinks that like if you add Mello to those Pistons teams, they're, they are automatically a dynasty. And my I, point I like, like that take. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people like that take. And my pushback is like, those Pistons teams were really, really, really good, and I don't think they get talked enough about how good they are. I looked up their net rating. I, I, I cleaning the glass goes back to 0304, and they made six straight Eastern Conference Finals, which needs to be talked about, especially in that era where, like, you know, you had some really tough, it's some really tough teams. They 
lost in some really, really. They obviously lost to LeBron turning into a superhuman. My my biggest uh, regret uh, of things that I obviously cannot control. But, like, my biggest regret with being an NBA fan, being born when I was, was actually not missing, like, what many call the golden age of basketball. I actually, like, I know the 90s were awesome. I'm so sad I missed the dead ball era because I would have loved that basketball. Like, I would have loved that product, I think. So, it, you know. I, I, as, 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 as Real quick, Kevin, as someone who remembers, who's been watching basketball since 1992, the era of 98, to 06 was awful basketball and anyone who tells you that that was a golden that was like that I era think I, I think good, I think I would have liked it I think I, I will it. I uh, what, anyone who tells what, you that wait, they hate basketball Sean, now what are the years you're, you're pinpointing 99 basically from Jordan retiring to the beginning of the 7 seconds or less son that basketball oh. is unwatchable and I and, and listen, I'm a dude that grew up '90s Knicks defense. I love those Knicks teams, whatever. Like, like whenever people complain about old oh, offense now and da 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 sit there, and I'm like, dude, like we literally had like we had playoff games that ended 68-68 after regulation, unwatchable. And then like that's real like, hoops. I think like 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 you, you it could it, there could be a game that ended 68. Like the, those Pistons, the, those Pistons Pacers series, the, the Pacers series had plenty of games that ended 69-68, but they were a lot of fun and like had like you know obviously like Tayshaun, uh, that crazy Tayshaun Prince block that was the greatest block of all time until LeBron. Um, it, it, it like it was it would like the, those Pistons teams were fantastic on defense. Yes, um, they were. And, the thing is, I'll, if you look back on it. Like yes, those playoff games were really good. When you look back on it, you realize how not skilled a lot of the offensive players were. That that's true. Although, like again, like I think like if we focus I, again, just to focus on those Pistons, that, that that was like look, it wasn't a good off, it wasn't a good offense, but like all of those players were like pretty ta- like you know Tayshawn could hit a th- Tayshawn could hit a three and could, and could and could and could get to the rim. Chauncey obviously big shot Chauncey. If Rip Hamilton, um took more of his shots from three we might be talking we might be having different conversations about rip about where rip hamilton ranked ranks all time um and obviously she um and ben wallace had no offensive game to speak of but he was he was maybe one of the maybe the greatest defensive player of all but a top five defensive player of all, of all time certainly um and if you look at those like so what i was gonna say is if, if you look at those pistons net ratings net, uh, net ratings they're like from 03 to 04 to to for, to the to the end of the, that era to when they trade for Iverson and the it shit kind of falls apart. It's two five, and then two 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 two. It, it, they're, they're in the top two every year. So like really 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 some underrated Pistons teams. And I think maybe throwing in Mellow to that mix is like I I I don't know if it would if if it would blew everything up. I, I see know. I see your don't mess with success, and I raise you. That's the exact team that had the defensive bandwidth to co- completely cover up any lacking effort from someone on that end. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a good hypothetical, and I yeah. love that you just came up here and totally shifted my like my mind was very much like 2023 Knicks, and now I'm just like deep in Tayshawn Prince film in my head. So thank you for that. Yeah, exactly. I I, I gotta go. I gotta I, I gotta watch some Tayshawn Prince film tonight too. That's uh that's a that's a, that's a fun play to watch. Anywho, um. 
I know John brought up um, Emmanuel, the Emmanuel Quickly Six Men of the Year conversation last night, and I kind of want to have it. Um, I don't think he's there, and I don't think he's going to get there just because Malka Brogdon's been so efficient offensively and has and has such is such a high volume scorer. But if you look at like the uh, where Quickly ranks in terms of the on in, in terms of the on offs, there are. If, if 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 you look at it, there are like so so there are superstars. I mean, there's about twenty. There are about twenty players ahead of quickly, and they, a lot of them are superstars. Like Jokic, um, uh, Luca's on there. Steph is on there. Um, some of those guys are like clearly benefiting from a weak bench, or you know, playing with someone like Kentavious Caldwell Pope is, uh, is second in in on offs uh, in on offs in the league. Uh, obviously, he plays with Jokic, and then Josh Hart is really high. Portland ha- kind of has a crappy bench, um, and uh, I think that's true of like like Shetty Shetty Osman's minutes as well. Um, but if, if 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 you look at every player ahead of quickly, um, who's in the 89th percentile and has an 8.7 8.7 uh, po- uh, point differential, um, is in the um, is a starter. Um, the player right ahead of him is Tim Hardaway Jr., who uh, also gets to play with Luke, gets to play with Luca, um, and then ahead of, and then right, and then ahead of them, there's surprisingly Cherry Young. Um, so, I and like just watching the games, the defensive impact that he has is immense, and it's just like, yesterday, like we were when they brought him in. I think the score was twelve to five. And we were six minutes in, and it, it was just one of those like, like nobody came. Grimes missed three threes. Uh, Brunson missed a handful of threes. Didn't look like Randall had anything going. I think R- RJ had like a shitty drive to the basket, um, if I rem- remember correctly, where it was where it looked like shades of tw- of uh, of early of 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 of, of disastrous finishing <laughs> RJ of uh, lowest of uh, only 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 players lower than only wings lower than him uh with a lower field goal percentage of um than him at the rim are Landry Shamit and, uh, and Luke Kennard RJ but then quickly comes into the game and immediately everything shifts the offense starts moving differently they, they start I, they were playing well on defense but they start they ratcheted it up and all of a sudden it's a tied game um i think that the impact that he has, and I think the impact stats generally bear this out, is more than like, like Brogdon's on-offs are really bad. Math Ben Ben Matherin, who's going to be in this conversation, who certainly has a higher ceiling than quickly. Um, I think like his on his on-offs are really bad. Um, I think Body Portis's on-offs are fine, but I I I, I don't I don't know I I don't, I don't think that Bobby Portis has the same quite the same impact on the game that Emmanuel quickly does. Um, although again, I, I, I like Bobby Portis. Um, I think that what you're going to end up with is that quickly will not win the six man of the year. He might not even get on the ballot. He might not even be in the a finalist, but people who are smart and who watch the games. And I think most Knicks fans will acknowledge that of those players quickly is probably the be- the, the the best of the the uh the best of them um and, and certainly certainly has 
more of an impact on winning and than any of any than any of those than any any of his competitors. Um, and it's exciting. It's exciting to have a lot of guys uh, in the mix for awards. I just like th- th- there was a space I just logged off of because it, like uh, there was some Jalen Brunson hate, and I the, I I I'm just can't tolerate it. At this the Jalen Brunson hate is, is is like at this point, these people who talk big talk about how overpaid he was in the summertime, and now they have to eat crow. They, they were like, they were like, oh, like he was five of thirteen in the first half, but he. Like I don't, and it's like he doesn't pass the ball enough. Jalen Brunson has the like, yeah, like he has like a relatively pedestrian assist rate. Like I think it's like fourteenth in the league among um, his, his assist percentage is like fourteenth in the league among point guards. But like, I never feel like oh man, Jalen's really forcing things. Jalen's really like going out and like not and like and and and, and like oh he missed that read, like. Jalen Jalen goes and he makes he he takes advantage of a mismatch or he or he's the, or he's off, he often defers too much. I think that like he organizes the team in a way that we I I haven't seen seen in my lifetime. And I'm in, like I'm going to include Steph Stefan in that. Um, no shade to him. Um, he's such a steady hand, and it's and it's real. I get why. So I guess I should have more empathy and I should get why people may not, may not get excited at the prospect at, at the prospect of, of uh, seeing him and maybe like oh like why you know other guy like there are other guys who are my favorite guy and he you know he's taking shots away from him and I get it but I I, I, just, I think this team probably had what, what are we 24 and 19 I think we're 17 and some oh 17 and whatever without um without what we're getting for, for um from Ron. 17 and 26 that would be the um but without without what we're getting from Ronson or something something in that ballpark like he's he's that good um so yeah I just wanted to give to <laughs> give those two player shout outs and then to answer the uh the prompt to play in or not to play in I have too much respect for the Miami Heat to say that and, and like the <sighs> The East is really, really good. I think the Knicks, the Knicks are going. To, I, I'll make a prediction. The Knicks are going to be in a position where, it, at the end of the season, we look and we say, "Oh, this is a five seed in the West." But in the East, the my I just have too much respect for the Miami Heat to say that we're going to finish ahead. We're going to finish ahead of them. I do think the Pacers are going to fade. I, I like Halliburton a little bit more than Chris does. Um, probably a lot more than Chris does. But I, but I, I don't really see them as the most around. Um. But uh, so yeah, I do think that we end up in the play, but I think we end up, but I think we end up in the playoffs. Like I think we win that game, um, and against whomever, whether and uh, we end up in the playoffs, and we end up having a fun, you know, five or six game series against uh, the, against the Nets or whomever. Um, yeah, appreciate you, Kevin. Um, the only thing I will say is, um, when it comes to Miami Heat, you are on the Jonathan Macri side, and I am on the Andrew Claudio side, like. Like, screw them. Um, oh, Zach, I'm talking. Come on, buddy. Um, screw them. Um, I don't care about heat culture. At some point, you have to play the games. And I said they'd be a playing team. And that's exactly at the beginning of the season. That's exactly what they are. So, yes, they have the better play. Yes, they have the best player. Although they may not have the best player right now. Um, but, yeah, screw them. 
All right. Yes, yeah, Sean. It really stems from doubt. I, I think I really doubted them in the playoffs. Like I think. Oh, I think I. Uh, I think I. Pre- pre- I think I thought they were going to lose to the Hawks, and then they like. Uh, they, have have been. I thought they were lose to the Sixers, and have then they been. The conference finals, and they were one three away from Kevin. You thought um, they were going to lose to the Hawks, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin. Oh, you know who also made? If, do you, do you, do you, do you, do you, now it's time to move on. Who else? Andrew Claudia. And and no wait, he didn't think they were, the Hawks were gonna beat. He didn't think they, he did. He did go back to go back and watch. Uh, go go back and watch the. Uh, it was. Actually, I think it was. You know, he 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 said, and then I was like, that's a good. That's I was like, this is gonna be my upset pick. This is gonna happen. I God. had a lot of respect for the Hawks. It, Nope. God, twenty twenty twenty. They are they're gonna be shining that twenty twenty one uh, playoff run forever. All right, well, but then we got, let's get let's, let's, let's we gotta get to the other uh, calls. But appreciate you, Kevin. Um, next we'll go to Papa Left, and oh, Raten just went down. So then we'll go to Papa Left, and then we're gonna make sure we have enough time for Andy P because Andy P tried to get in last week and we ran out of time. So we'll try. We'll make sure to say sorry for him. Papa Left, the floor is yours. What's going on? What's up, Nick's Film Cool School? What's up, Chris, Sean, uh, CT Pittman in here, Sup OG, uh, C Free Daps, Nick. I-95, Bully in the building. Oh, Bully's here. Bully, I'm on the za is a great tweet last night. I don't know if you guys saw it on the timeline. I don't know if you guys – I know everybody's talking about the game, but I-95, Bully on the za was a great tweet. I'm also on the za right now. Um I'm interested. I'm interested in a few things from the panel, um, but first thought was Chris and like the energy you get from being up close and personal, talking to the team, right, or just watching the team on that interpersonal level. Like, what is the thing that you notice that we don't get on Nick's Twitter? If you're like just being close to the team, like just seeing how guys carry themselves seeing how guys respond to questions. I don't know how much you can get from that. Obviously, there's another. But, you know, you could kind of get a sense of the, the uh, I don't want to call it the brand, but you get a sense of the chemistry of the team and who's the outspoken ones, who's the goofy one. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I'll highlight a, a relationship for you that I think um, definitely fans didn't know about in the past, and I didn't want to, like, go out of my way to say anything about it, but, like, I was told last season that Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson really did not like each other. Um, I, I was told that, you know, one of them was looking to end up on a different team from the other one. I, 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 like, you know, not desperately, but, like, they just didn't like playing with each other. Julius was frustrated by Mitch. I, I was told the year before that Julius had gotten into several screaming matches with Nerlens Noel in practice because he wasn't catching passes, like, I think when the center isn't playing up to Paul, Julius gets really frustrated with them. Um, And he was really frustrated with Mitchell Robinson last year. Apparently the behavior that came as a result of that caused Robinson not to like him. Uh, And the two really just didn't click at all on or off the court. You could see on the court. (laughs) I don't know if you remember a single Randall feed to Mitch last season, but I don't. So I got, I got two reactions. The first, the first thing is that last night when Julius got that dunk, him and Mitch were like, dying laughing together yeah so this is i'm gonna i'm about to uh, you know there's like a second half to it um i asked randall this season about his relationship with robinson because it's been noticeably better on the court like the two look like they have chemistry together and i asked randall about i said hey you and mitch look like you guys are clicking in a way that you haven't before honestly like honestly you've never 
clicked at all. I didn't say that, but uh, I said you and Mitch are clicking, and, and it feels like it hasn't been this way before. What changed? And he, the first thing he said was like, "Mitch grew up." He was like, "Mitch, Mitch is showing a level of maturity this season we've never seen from him." Um, and he also told me, and this is why uh, you know um, there was a, a segment on it on MSG the next game because uh, Rebecca Harlow went and asked about it. He told me that you know Mitchell Robinson came to work out with him over the summer. And that that was a big thing for them in terms of getting on the same page. And and he didn't say that they never were on the same page. (laughs) Like, he didn't say they haven't always been on the same page. But you could tell he was basically saying the kid grew up. The kid really is actually interested now in in doing what it takes to to do his job the best he can. And I respect that. And I'm working with him the best I can. Uh, And we have a good working relationship. So that's something I think, you know, those two did not have a good relationship before. Now they seem to have a a pretty strong one. And that's... uh, you know, just continuity. Like I, I always say for football fans, I always say if, if social media was around when Eli and Coughlin came to the Giants, Coughlin would have been fired after year one. And that continuity is something kind of rare in sports nowadays. Things work themselves out over time. Humans want to help each other. And uh, this is something that, you know, if the team had moved on from either one, obviously we never would have known this would have happened. But you're, you're getting a, a, a sum that's greater than uh, you're getting a total that's greater than the sum of its parts right now because you invested in the continuity. So I, I, that's what I would say. Uh, that's yeah, that's my main pushback with the Mitchell Robinson thing, where it's like I always come back to center, uh, pun intended. And it's like, yeah, I understand why they would reward Mitch and keep Mitch with this with this group of guys. I understand why that would be important. Um, it give, <laughs> it allows them to string along Obi. I feel, <laughs> I feel you know what I mean, like. Anyways, Oller wanted to deal him at the last deadline, but Thibodeau was very starkly against it. Um, Mitch, and, and, you mean Mitch? Yeah, right. and and it got to a point where, in my opinion, this is again, this has not been. That's interesting that it was Oller, by the way. That's that's real interesting that uh-huh. you say that. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Stewart was a name he liked, along with draft compensation. Stewart's and playing well, so you know. Anyway. Um, basically what my read on the situation is they came to a compromise, which is Thibodeau said, if you're not going to go get me a center, then I better leave me with this one. You know, if you're not going to go get me an Aiton, if you're not going to go get me a a clear upgrade, you better leave me with my guy. And Aller said, because we know Aller is very interested in, in years on contracts. That's why they extended Randall. That's why they, you know, like everything they do, everything they do is about the years of team control. Mm-hmm. And I think Aller said, okay, well, if we're going to keep Robinson for the second half of the season, then it makes no sense to let him walk for nothing. So we'll keep him and then extend him. Uh, and if we need to trade him later, we'll do the deal in a way where it's tradable. And if you look at the deal Robinson signed, it's descending in value, which is very tradable. So I think that that was the compromise reach between the two. Yeah. Um, that That's given me a lot of context that I want to speak on probably. Later, I don't want to like bog your show up with it, but it's it's very interesting. Thanks, man. Um, I also wanted to just bring up the the concept of you know the trade deadlines approaching, and um, the Knicks are not a you know self identified going for anything team. Um, they you know RJ says he's going to shock the world. I don't know how much of that was just you know the feeling he had or whatnot. But it seems like this team is, in essence, ready to make a move if they want to. Uh, but, you know, I, I look back at, at the guys on the bench like Cam, Cam Reddish and uh, especially uh, Obi Toppin. Um, 
I think number one, there's not many players that you could think of off the top of your head. And right, we're all in this Knicks universe where where we think about our own players. We we kind of just you know not really highlight the rest of the league. But how many guys is goes into a, a game six of a, of an NBA playoffs? And, and puts up 30-plus points, and it, and it looks natural. You know, it looks like he's ready for the moment. How many guys just casually go into into a game? You can call it late in the season, whatever you want to say, but a G League game, you can score 42. And every time he's played extended minutes, or if you if you even projected the per th- – Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly's per 36 thing is, like, beautiful to watch because it's, like, literally – he they they prove your narrative like that all they need is minutes it's 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 a tremendous watch i just feel like the idea that we're not allowed to to critique this uh this this benching of cam reddish when you have deuce mcbride uh trying to switch on kyle kuzma i love deuce mcbride i want to i also want to be fair to the guy too like i want to put him in places where he can uh, you know, be in his natural position, and uh, salute to salute to him for getting the minutes too. Like that's a big time. Yo, Miles Bryant breaking into to a not man rotation is not anything anybody would have thought coming into the season. So clearly, he's put in the work and he's deserving of the minutes. I just feel that so is Cam Reddish. I feel so is Obi Toppin, and I feel like there are certain nights where we do need that bench piece, right? But, you know, there's also certain nights where Jalen Brunson and RJ and Randall got it going and, you know, that and, and, and quickly's got it going that, you know, you don't you don't really need that guy. So I feel like there's no there's no real need for us to try to make an upgrade and mortgage something like especially Obi. I see Obi being thrown around in these trade packages for guys like Kyle Kuzma or or uh, Zach Levine. Like, first of all, obviously, so Zach Kuzma can still come off the bench behind Randall. Yeah, I, yeah, it's very nonsensical. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with using Obi Toppin cashing in your chip like just to satisfy a need on on your bench that he's supposed to fill. Like, you still have him, you know, under contract, and and you can still make another decision with Randall. I feel like this this organization. Uh, makes its best moves when when it's at the brink of failure. Uh, I think this organization makes the best moves when they have to really keep their keep their name out of the news. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like when things are going well, they have a vision of what they want to do, and and they're committed to it. Um, and I think not really this year, but I think that Julius Randle Obi Toppin decision is really going to be the the first set of moves that really tell you how this, you know, organization feels in terms of, you know, their value in terms of what they want to do. And I think, I think, um, I don't want to focus on Julius too much because everybody talks about him. I don't really want to talk about RJ. Uh, I don't even want to talk about Brunson. Um, but I do want to say that I'm a Quentin Grimes truther. And I believe that that guy uh, is is the goods. I feel like that guy's a winner. I feel like it's not a coincidence that when he's playing, the Knicks are, are doing well. Um, I think he's a very integral part. He's invaluable. The things he can do in terms of switching, a lot of people make a big, uh, you know, case about him only being 6'5", but it's just like the intangibles that these guys bring to the to the court 
along with Brunson, the, the brain trust of, of the Knicks is, you know, they've kind of like had these little, like, uh, like the game against the Mavericks, Grimes, you know, with the, you know, going into the trap and also against the Bulls. Like, that, that shit is unfortunate, bro. Like, that's unfortunate, but that's not who these players are, bro. And you saw it a little bit with Quentin at the end of the game where he saw, you know, Masserin was chasing down a block and he pulled it out. He wasted uh, 20. They got 20 more seconds off the clock. Uh, they went from uh, potentially having a block or, or being up by five with 42 seconds to being up by six or five with like 22 seconds. So, you know, I just I just want to say I'm a Quentin Grimes truther. I think I think he is the goods. Um, I believe in Obi Toppin. Obviously, Emmanuel quickly is is showing you things that that really like bring like all right, let's go. Like <laughs> Emmanuel, I don't know. And, and then the the one other thing I wanted to say is that I feel like there's moments with this team where they play they play really fun. It's it's few and far in between this year. Um but you kind of you kind of need like this lineup where it's Brunson like the other night before the half uh they had a line Brunson quickly uh RJ Obi and Mitch no Brunson quickly Grimes Obi and, and Mitch and uh you know just the energy it was just great and and I think that um this team's going to need that uh but I just feel like we're just kind of uh, you know, presenting challenges to teams that are that were better than, and we haven't really met any challenge this year. With the the Cavs game at home was was a big one. After the Mavericks loss, that was a big one. I I, I still think that the drop coverage that we play, I feel like Cleveland was uh, was just having a bad shooting night. But the Knicks won that game, and that was a bi- that was the biggest game of the season. And I, I talked to, to Cavaliers analysts, if you know, uh, uh, Dan F., uh, different, different guys, you know, Cavs Anada, different, different guys that, that will say this too. I, I don't talk to him, but uh, you know, they'll say this uh, out loud. Um, people uh, still think that what McBride and Quickly did to Garland and Mitchell is the most defensive resistance that duo has faced all season. For Quickly, the- in my opinion – uh, has been, if you want to say, graded on impact and whatever. Like, and and is he doing? Is he playing the the defense right? Is he executing? Like, he's been the Knicks' best perimeter defender this season by that metric. Now, I think the number one is Grimes, and that's because his matchup difficulty has literally been in the 99th percentile. Grimes has had a 99. <laughs> Nine, I'm not joking. Him, 99th percentile matchup. He's earned that. He's earned he that is stuff. literally getting the hardest matchup in every single game, every single time. He has a yeah. 99th percentile difficulty, I, I, and he's I, still I, been really good. So I'm going to say Grimes is the best perimeter defender by every single metric. All the data, all of that stuff, it's quickly. And so the, the combination of those two, as opposed yeah. to pitting them against each other, the combination has been lethal. Bro, the things that – yeah, thank you, bro. The, the things that quickly and McBride and, and Grimes do as, like a, as a connected unit. They're I, a record I, ball of a trio. Yeah, it's it's incredible. But I, I think that whole summer league, that whole last year's summer league, like all those guys like that were there, quickly, Deuce, Grimes, OB, Jericho, like I can't I can't speak like 
the value of Jericho Sims at three years, six million is nuts, bro. Like I, I, I really think that that guy can fly into any city that plays an NBA franchise and play 20 to 25 minutes and get you a double, double. I I'm pretty confident in that. I think that the way that this, this league moves with pace and the way that he gets up and down the floor, he's an active defender. His defense is inspiring. He would play well with all this defense that's being played in front of him. You know, Mitch sometimes gets caught in foul trouble, right? Or, 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 or yeah, just Mitch gets in foul trouble sometimes. Like, you're going to need to play a center. And then it just allows, you know, the, the, the defense to have another, you know, uh, piece of, it, it, you know, all this, all this, all this focus on rim protection, like, you know, you still need to guard the perimeter. You know what I mean? You don't need rim protection if you're if you're ding up your man and you're switching. You know what I mean? So, anyways, yeah, people people made the point that um, Robinson looked really bad last season, but that a lot of centers would look really bad if Walker and Fournier were the guys, you know, protecting the perimeter for them and letting guys through. Like, yeah, it's a valid point. Also, to something you said earlier uh, regarding like the team's uh, potential trade deadline philosophy, I agree that the Knicks shouldn't be in a rush to say, for example, do a deal like a McBride and a protected first for Alex Caruso, get a McBride plus, 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 a clear upgrade. I don't think they should be in a rush to do a trade like that because they're not in any sort of rush. They haven't started their timeline yet. They haven't traded a first-round pick and gotten a rotation player back that's like their own first round pick they have well, how the, their philosophy of how they feel those picks is going to be very interesting it's unprecedented for a team to do what they're doing which is to right. collect other teams first round picks knowing that they can save theirs for their real superstar trade and then the Stepian rule will kick in they right. know that Stepian rule is what screws teams if you look at the chicago bulls last year they were not able to make an in-season upgrade because they had no first round picks eligible to be traded that is the nightmare scenario for this team, and they're doing everything they can to head the opposite direction, so much so that they've reached unprecedented territory in regards to the amount of first-round picks that they have acquired yeah. from other teams. I think they should hold on to those until yeah. the time comes to knock looks, down the first It looks like though. they're valuing they're valuing those picks to pretty high standard because, it, you know, the, the, the Knicks probably could have got that deal done if they gave up, you know, the picks that Utah wanted. They also could have drafted one of the prospects they liked at the 11th overall pick, but instead they knew that that prospect would have lost value sitting on the bench on Tom Thibodeau's roster. And instead, you know, they, they said, okay, this is our coach. We know him well. Let's optimize our path forward. If we're going to keep him around, let's be smart about I also it. Don't think, I also don't think Tibbs liked Donovan Mitchell like enough to be like the same way you said, um, if you're not going to get me a center, then you better bring me Mitch. I feel like that's kind of like when I paused myself and I said, I have a lot of context because that adds a lot of, you know, uh, layers to, to how this team is being grouped together and, and, and built with a vision. So a lot of, lot of hands. I think, I think it's Tibbs. Mark Berman. Who do you think is the top four minds in the New York Knicks organization that's making the calls? That, that's Ro- what I want to know. Rose, Rosas, um, Gerson Rosas is absolutely one of those top four, in my opinion. It's Rose, Aller, Rosas, and probably, ooh, this is a I good one. T- I, you gotta go Tibbs. You gotta. I go would. Tibbs. I would go with it with a tie. I would go with a tie between Tibbs and Wes, and I would say that in the in the choir, in the chorus, in the background, Cam's on the bench. It's Tibbs. Is, is, <laughs> it's is Tibbs, Scott Perry? Bro. 
Scott Perry is is still around, Scott but Perry, he, yeah. Scott Perry is staying in the rafters with the baseball bat, just just looking around, waiting. Just well, he he's in, he's integral to what the team does when they're having negotiations with a team that he has connections with. They will let him run that phone call. Uh, it's still Allard determining the price they're willing to pay. I think it's Tibbs. I think it's I think Tibbs is 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 more influential on a day to day operational like if that level were the than case, most people. Derek Rose and Derek Rose and Evan Fournier would both still be in the rotation uh, if that were the case. Yeah, so. I think Tibbs wanted to keep his job though. I think I think that's why I said like when this that's why I started the the call like was saying. I feel like the Knicks organization made has made its best moves on the brink of failure or after a plan has failed like. That, but they only do it when it's at that level, right? Like, they only they only understand like it's time to do this when their when their job is you know the seat. I I think that I think that they honestly, from what I thought their long term plan was when they were hired, I think they've done a good job of, of sticking to that. I haven't seen any moves so far. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Absolutely. Hey, that one that one was out of desperation. No. They didn't mortgage. They have not traded. That is one thing. Like, can't compare this organization to to the last organizations at all because they have not done what those previous organizations have done. Now the Knicks still, it's a theory. Like, you have to follow through. Like that's why that's why I'm deemed you know anti fan by some in Knicks Twitter where it's like, you know, I'm not an anti fan. I'm just I'm just you know looking at this organization and I'm look I'm waiting for that move. I'm waiting for the execution. It looks like from time to time there are some internal moves that can be made, whether it be rotation, whether it be playing a certain player a certain amount of minutes. And then when those things happen, it's like wanna take victory laps for things we could see, you know, in our fucking homes. <laughs> so I, I think like there's a lot to critique about this Knicks team, but there's also a lot, like you said, like that they're in a very unique position, which is why it's so maddening. That that that's why you know covering this team and watching them and and being involved as it is is that you can see things on a very intricate you know spiritual level at times where it's like if this guy would just play a certain you know if they would just give Grimes more usage if they would just like like open up the offense and 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 you know play play certain athletes you know anyways. I am including uh, the the Knicks Film School uh, Saturday Space. I appreciated it, Sean, Chris, show, and uh, shout out to the chat, man. Peace. I appreciate you, Papa Left. Um, now, I actually really enjoy listening to um, the point that you and Chris are making. Um, to the point about um, the, the, this the, this team, the moves they've made or not made. Um, you know, they've been very conservative. And they've taken that conservative approach. The conservative approach was really tested last year when they decided when they were going three and seventeen because we were doing the same thing every single night, expecting a different result. But to your point, like yeah, they make really good moves when their back is against the wall, the proverbial wall. Um, but hopefully, I so hopefully they the don't analogy. Have to, I'm sorry, Sean, but the yes. I, I have to get this out. This the analogy that I gave is that they're like when you go get an oil change. And the guy gives you a, like a little uh, diagnostic of like all the things you can get done in your car, and you're you're aware of at least one of them. Like you're looking at like, you know, uh, a timing belt might snap or some shit like that. And the Knicks are the type type of people to be like, 
man, I just came here for an oil change. Fuck that. I'll deal with that when I deal with that. That's an <laughs> and then amazing the shit, analogy. And then the shit breaks down. They're like, all right, I'm fucking footing the bill and we're getting the shit fixed. <laughs> like that's the way they operate. Yeah. And then they get, but and then they don't get, they don't get the regular timing belt. They get like the best one on the market, right? No, that's a great, that's a great analogy. <laughs> and, and um, to, to quote uh, my favorite show, I, I think that and Manny's favorite show of all time. I think, and this is a this is stolen from Schwinny Poo on Twitter. Leon Rose is a wartime conciliar. Like he, yeah, that, that Donovan Mitchell negotiation taught me a lot about this front office, which is. They're that serious about their plan because they think it's that good. And uh, to be honest, I- I'm not even just saying, oh, well, they're confident, so we should be too. Yeah, I- I've been confident about things before, and I've ended up awfully wrong. But yeah, they, they're, not, they're, they're, be- they're not leaving. They're not I leaving. genuinely believe their process anywhere. is good. I genuinely yeah, I'm saying believe they can run their process because, because there, is no, there is no rock bottom for this team. They're too good. So and, and, and that's what I was going to say. That they they without investing seriously have already improved the product in a way that previous front offices have been unable to, uh, because they got so wrapped up in trying to make the big moves. The Knicks have done all the small things. They've built like a small market team. They've drafted well. They're playing their draft picks. They're getting contributions out of them. They're extending their players. Their extended players are playing well. If they're not, they're moving I, I them. I disagree. I disagree that they're acting like a small market team. My, my, the, my, the difference my, is is that in this is where I was getting because I, I agree with you. The difference is that they're pretending like they don't have all their draft picks and they're just. They are trading some to, to stock the war chest, I, but they're doing so well with the picks that they are taking in right. quickly and, 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 you know, like in Grimes and quickly 21 and 25. And those guys both go top 10 in a redraft. They're killing the draft. So they, they don't need to draft at every pick. They're actually being smart by recite. Like if OKC calls and offers three first, like that's actually smart to take. If it was two protected first, just draft a guy, you know, but I think three was worth it. All right. So my, my case would be, uh, Knicks Pistons. Uh, the game after we got blown out by the uh, Nets on national TV, we had a game against the Pistons, and we came out and we, you know it was a little. We blew a lead at the end, and um, at the end of the game, uh, Obi Toppin is you know subbed out with uh, eight minutes to go uh, because Jalen Duren, an 18 year old kid, got subbed in the game. And Isaiah Hartenstein was then subbed into the game. So it's like, for me, I'm looking at that like one team is definitely a small market team. They're playing their young guy at the end of the game. I'm looking at my team and they're they're benching a guy uh, because a younger guy is coming in. So like for me, it's like there is no there's a process. There's a vision. Absolutely. But the execution of that and the commitment to it in terms of of product of basketball I think that's all Tibbs, and I think that there's a there's a, there's a conflict of interest at, 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 in in every game. It feels there's a conflict of interest. Um, that's why it's for me. It's a little hard to like fall in love with them because it, it doesn't seem like you know they have a clear uh, understanding of who they are really on, on when they're presented with a challenge. But the big difference here is, like I said, is with Jalen Brunson. You know, uh, Tibbs, for the most part of, of defensive basketball, for the most part of, of understanding the, the hard work and all that, that you got Brunson, you got Tibbs, you got Randall in good spirits. He's, he's being a leader. You got, uh, you know, these young kids who are proving their keep and they're becoming veterans in the locker room. You got Grimes as a, you know, a championship style player from Houston. 
and uh, just, you know, they got a way better ethics on a basketball court. It's just they need to reinforce that uh, through their commitment to passing the ball, moving the ball. Um, I just feel like it's a it's it's not it's not necessarily a recipe for May, but we will see, man. We will definitely see, and we'll get the opportunity. Let's 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 see if they can get a top six seed and, and really stamp down who who they are in in this Eastern Conference. Absolutely, absolutely, Popolev, absolutely, absolutely. Again, thank you for your comments. They're always appreciated. Um, and we will see what this team can do going forward. Like what Chris said, if when they have they have all their picks and they got a bunch of other teams, then they haven't made the move yet because you only get. I say all the time, you get one chance to empty the clip, and if you don't, guess what you are, the Atlanta Hawks. With that being said, I would like to thank everyone for pulling up. Uh, Papa left Jeff J in the, in the audience, CT Pittman, Anonymous, Farrell. Uh, Jason Rosario, Ari from Manhattan in the building, Chey, CTL. Um, shout out to everybody. Shout out to everybody here that pulled up. We will be back next week. I don't know if it's going to be at 11 or 2. It depends on life and, you know, to I'll be frank, NFL football. Um, so I know we have some NFL fans in here. I'm going to go make some bets right now after this. Um, but thanks to everyone who pulled up. We're m- much appreciated. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, so until then, Knicks Nation, let's ride. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com